1: a podcast. I'm Nate Smith and I'm here with Chris Francis and we just watched the Cavs be over 500 after nine games. I mean Who'd have thought? <laughs> who, who would have thought after a, a brutal schedule to start the season the Cavs go what three and two on their road trip? Yes sir. Out west and to Charlotte and then come home and win that you know that return game always Feels like there's a lot of legs, but the Cavs, you know, overcame the fatigue and and came back and played a really nice game winning against uh, Portland, who looked a bit rough. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried about the Blazers, but uh, the streets are talking. <laughs> the streets are talking. There you go. But yeah, the Cavs uh, played another great game tonight. Um we had a last-minute, not last-minute, but a sub for Lori Markinen in the starting lineup. Uh, and one Dean Wade, who made his first start in some time. Had a nice game. Seven points, three rebounds, two assists, plus ten on the night. Um, played solid defense. Uh, one of four from three. Uh, had some nice backdoor cuts, a couple nice drives. Didn't try to do too much. Yep. Uh, felt yep. like he played a real nice game. Um, yeah, uh, uh, he uh,
0: led the team in net rating at 21.7 on the night, so he's nice. gaining us a point a minute <laughs> while he was on the floor. His impact was especially felt on the offensive end. Cavs with a 128.3 offensive rating in the 22 minutes he was on the court.
1: Well, and we're going to get back to on-off-court reading in a bit, but... No, that's you- sorry. right. I'm jumping the gun. No, no, no. You're great. Uh, <laughs> I did want to talk about... You know, the Cavs MVP this game, I mean, clearly Jared Allen, right?
0: Yes, I would have gone, I think, you know, I would have said Allen and Garland were probably the two that I had in my mind.
1: I just just thought Allen's defense and his rebounding and his all-around energy just really carried the Cavs home. and.
0: You know, absolutely. I was just going to say, wasn't it a clutch performance? Would you it, say? It you know? really
1: was down the stretch. Um, let's go to the play-by-play here, but the final play, of course, the Cavs. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Cavs had bled a lead. Basically, they led by, you know, they've led by seven, eight all night. Um, yep. You know, anywhere out to you know, eleven or twelve, but. It had felt it had been like anywhere between 7 and 12 all night. And then, you know, uh, the Blazers cut it to 5 with about 5 minutes left. You know, M- Mobley hit a big jump shot at the 410 mark, uh, which had his foot on the line, or it would have been a 3 uh, for a, uh, a much needed bucket to stretch that back out to 7. And then course the Cavs went cold again as they kind of want to do uh Ricky Rubio threw a pass out of bounds um or no just threw a bad pass uh you know Garland got a traveling turnover uh and you know in between those we had you know Lillard shot a, a J a three and then McCollum hit a really nice reverse to cut it to two and of course You know, Rubio kind of did one of those, I'm going to totally redeem myself with kind of a (laughs) weird, uh, you know, staggered break with Mobley, the secondary break and, and getting a lob at the rim. Um, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That was a funny play because DG, as soon as he passed the ball, was literally pointing at
1: Mobley. <laughs> yeah. He passed it to Rubio and then Rubio's like <laughs> swings it to him under the basket. I got you. <laughs> yeah. and, and I believe Allen was there too, and but but Mobley was kind of cutting there. And then you had a, you know, uh, Dame Lillard went cold, missed, missed three straight shots. Uh, Sexton had a really nice floater and then did the thing that drives all Sexton lovers nuts in dribbling to the right corner, getting triple team, losing the ball on the very next possession, and you're like, why does he do that? <laughs> it's just like, it's really maddening, and then of course he got blocked the next time down by Powell, and it's like, you know, why? And of course, We were all screaming that my least favorite lineup that the Cavs run, the Sex-Lubio lineup with uh, (laughs) Sexton, uh, Rubio, and uh, Garland, or uh, as I call it, the Sex-Lubio lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just, it's terrible. I don't know why they run it. Their defense stinks when they run it. Ricky Rubio tries to do too much when they run it. He had... How many assists did he have tonight? Uh, he had seven in he 31 minutes. He also had an offer on field goals.
0: Oh, Ofer. really? Oh, who's yeah. the ultimate... That's the ultimate Ricky Rubio game right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> deli esque even. <laughs> no, you're right. Oh, no, right. Exactly, right. Yeah. We we pay We pay respect to our champions here. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: you know, a lot of... Hit or miss, but what did not fail the Cavs down the stretch was their defense. Their defense, um, they kept, uh, you know, in the last four minutes, the Blazers scored five points. Um, Wow. No, they scored eight points in the last four minutes. But um, really, you know, Cavs just kept edging ahead of them. Really nice defense on, you know, Damian Lillard. Um, You know, Damian Lillard did that thing where he tried to get the Cavs um, bigs isolated and and take him to the rack. And the first or step back for three. And the first time he did it uh, at the 121 mark, Mobley hit his only block of the game. A beautiful block on the left side drive and oh yeah right. you know and then the final play when the Cavs were up three missed a drew up a perfect sexton jump shot with about 10 seconds left that he missed and you know the Blazers got the rebound and they ran a play uh where they got the left wing uh pick and Jared Allen switched and and just guarded Dame Lillard as well as you can, forced him into a tough fadeaway on the left side, and it clanked. Cavs win by three. I mean, it was it was a heck of a defensive play and a real capper on the night, and really emblematic of you know just how well uh, Jared Allen played that game. And the, and the crazy thing about it, so I was watching the post game comments. Apparently, the Cavs had that scouted out that. They had called out in the huddle what they were probably going to run, where, you know, Lillard gets a switch and fades to the left, and that's what they did. And um, they talked about how they were fine with just switching everything there, and that's what they did. And Jared Allen, fantastic finish to the game. So, yeah, he was
0: extremely clutch. I mean, if the fact that they only gave up eight points down the stretch uh, in that block, because defensively, they weren't actually that great in that quarter. They still gave up 27 points, so they must have yeah. tightened up big time uh, in, that, in that fourth quarter to pull it off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they uh, – well, and then, you know, you get towards the end of those games, and it's it's a, um, it's a possession game too where there's all those times timeouts, so, you know, the shot clock doesn't run as much as it might otherwise, plus, plus fouls and all that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, really – Really impressive win by the Cavs. Uh, anything in particular stand out for you? I mean, it's got to be the
0: offense for me. Uh, shot over 50% on the game, 50% from three, 15, hit 15 threes in the game.
1: Yeah, well, and let, let's talk a little bit. That's a little misleading because it was basically three guys hitting the threes, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it
0: was, uh, you know... Hey, Dylan Windler. Finally. You know, it's it's ironic that we get our first Wade and Windler, like a, a real sample of their games on the court, and then all of a sudden this offense just absolutely takes off shooting wise. And, and, and right. like you said, it's because of Windler and Chetty Osman. How about that? The shot is back. You know, it is, for- and
1: it's looking beautiful. <sighs> I the can't one, believe it. The one thing I loved was he missed two really good looks early, and just kept shooting and hit the next yes. one? I'm like, okay, he's fine. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. Yeah,
0: it's crazy the feeling. Like I, I'm shocked when he misses now. I yeah. mean, like, is
1: that in the how you feel? Like I feel like it's shocking when he misses now. Oh, for sure. And you know, Dylan Windler in that first quarter or that first half was three mm-hmm. for three. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know, lineup steps and, and on off a little bit later, but boy, did he look sharp. Um, ended up being four or five on the night, you know, just a a really nice first half played about 21 minutes with Mm -hmm. our, our old friend, the Cavs eight man rotation. And (laughs) although I'll say I don't really have any real concerns about that eight man rotation. Um, other than, you know, Boy, it looked like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen were tired towards the end. Well, yeah,
0: that, uh, yeah. It was.
1: I was wondering minutes. your thoughts on
0: that because I saw that comment that you made in the boards about Mobley, and I 100% agree. You know that Mobley was gassed. Uh, oh, and come, as was Jared Allen. Uh, Jared Allen, yeah, yeah. Shots so, at the I mean, basket. You know, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, right? He's and, making those all night, and all of a sudden, it, yeah, it kind of left him for a couple of possessions there. Yep.
1: Yeah, and and I'll give. Uh, Colin Sexton, his credit, too. He was 2 of 4 from deep, had a couple nice threes. But, mm-hmm. again, the turnovers with Colin Sexton, 5. And, you know, if we're looking by halves, the Cavs' second half in terms of turnovers was, was really rough. Um, oh, yeah. It had to be double digits. I mean, I yeah, thought they it had felt 13, like double digits. they had 13 in the second half, which is <laughs> insane. And That is insane. All five of Colin Sexton's turnovers were in the second half, as were uh, three of Darius Garland's. Wow. Um, Actually, I think all three of Darius Garland's were in the second half. So, yeah, it it was rough on that front. Um, You know, the Cavs trying to do too much. As much as you can say about Ricky Rubio, when he's at his best, he doesn't turn the ball over that much. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say the same thing of Sexton and Garland. But, you know, to me, part of the reason that the Cavs' turnovers are coming is is because they are playing these lineups without enough spacing and you saw you know Windler and Osman and Wade tonight and maybe when we get into on-off data uh, in our next segment we'll kind of talk about how those guys look how the Cavs looked when those guys were on the court but to me the spacing was so much better and it just the paint wasn't crowded. There was more passing lanes. The defense was fanned out more. Jared Allen had so much more room to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just mm-hmm. watching some of the film uh, with with you know the Czar, the telestrator, Mike Fratello after the game. Oh, um, nice! Oh yeah. man, <laughs> well, he I'm was not on. Mad. i miss po- it. He was on the post game. So oh, he was man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, always I a special occasion. Yeah. yeah, I love the Czar. So. Yeah, I mean, he was pointing that out, too. Boy, when they've got those shooters out there, that that floor really just looks—the defense is so much more spread out. And clearly, Chetty Osman and Dylan Windler with their, you know, 7 for 10 on the night kind of striking fear into the hearts of defenses and uh, clearly also— the Darius Garland three ball looked as good as it has all night all year man Man, he looked good for it was funny because it's
0: kind of the same thing that happened except he looked better he looked he looked perfect for three three and a half quarters and then that fourth quarter he kind of you know he choked up a little bit but uh man those three three and a half quarters he was absolutely cooking I mean put up a 19 10 double double with assists. so
1: Yeah, he also had that big three to um, uh, close the first half. Oh, right. uh, Right. The step back. You know, the sky ball. ball. (laughs) Yes. Step back sky ball.
0: That's Um, right. And
1: and I will say, he's taken that shot a lot at the end of halves this year. So, about time he made one. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, I think you and I have both lamented the lack of execution at the end of halves this season. Yeah. so it's nice to see if you're gonna yeah take oh yeah that pull up three yeah I you know, mean it's ahead just ahead and,
0: good that he was ready to shoot it for you know like that's been a beef of mine you know is that he's not ready to shoot in in situations where he should be
1: yeah um, or in fact,
0: yeah go ahead
1: or willing to shoot
0: exactly exactly like that last turnover in the fourth quarter that he had I mean it was it was a case of he traveled with the ball because he flinched at shooting the bank shot, you know, the layup bank shot on the right side and yeah. uh, just walked with it. And it's just like, just get the shot up. You're going to – you have good enough touch. You have NBA touch to, you know, at least draw rim. You know, maybe Allen gets a put back, Mobley gets a put
1: back. Yeah. But put a shot up. Well, and, and that's, you know, one of the things about the ball sticking with Ricky Rubio is mm-hmm. – it. Even if he's putting a shot up, it's still better than a turnover. Exactly. He's moving the defense. Yep. He's, you know, you saw the Cavs get put backs off, off offensive rebounds from his stuff. He's also, you know, not giving up the live ball turnover. Um, yeah. it, it I keeps mean, that floor balance, you know, gives the guys
0: the chance to yeah. get back for defense, you know, while the ball's on the rim. So yeah. 100% agree with you. Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: one of the things I noticed uh, was. Earlier this week when I was doing some uh, analysis on kind of the change in Darius Garland's game, the Cavs aren't playing him below the free throw line much on offense off the ball. Like, you remember before he used to, you know, kind of run baseline to baseline or cut to the basket and relocate to the corner? He Mm -hmm. really is not playing much below the free throw line without the ball anymore. And I'm wondering if that's a floor balance thing where they're just trying to always make sure that, one or two guys is back but it's because the Cavs transition defense has been pretty solid this year so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm almost wondering if that might be one of the reasons. So, I mean,
0: that's a, that seems to be a good point. I mean, I think one of the things that's emerging, at least in Darius's game is there seems to be an improvement on the defensive end, at least um, playing good team defense. If not, you know, if, if the playmaking's not there, at least, He's in the right spots more often than uh, before, you know, so I think yeah. there has been an improvement and that could be part of it is just getting back and staying back, you know, and in, in shutting down the transition opportunities. He actually and you actually that's a great point, because one of the key plays in the game, <laughs> I mean, was he was trying to take a foul. Uh, he was on, he was guarding a two on one fast break and he was trying to take a foul, but the aggressive play actually, you know, granted the, the refs missed the call, but the aggressive play at least, uh, resulted in a turnover uh, Yeah, it was that a, should have been a for, ba- sure, for sure basket. So yeah, yeah
1: it was a two on one with, uh, was it Lillard or Powell and Simons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and. Uh, Garland Simons gave up the ball, and Garland basically tackled him. I think it was Powell just threw it as if Garland was going to keep running. Yeah, <laughs> or not Garland. Uh, Simons was going to keep running, and they never called a foul, and he just ended up throwing it out of bounds.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. And it,
1: it was. <laughs> I I felt like the Cavs got a gift there from the refs, and that was oh sure, the last sure 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 minutes.
0: Yeah. But and, I think it was just speaks to your point about, you know, Garland was at least back to take the foul, yeah, you know, and absolutely. maybe that's a result of him, you know, not playing much above, you know, below the
1: break. So, yeah. And uh, when we get back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about on off data and kind of the wings help the Cavs win this game. And if maybe we'll see some of that going forward. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs a Podcast. I'm Nate Smith and I'm here with Chris Francis. And we're going to talk a little, you know, on, off, you know, net rating data. Um, There was some talk in the Cavs uh, Twitter sphere uh, earlier this week about how a lot of the Cavs best three-man lineups have Ricky Rubio in them. And a lot of the not best Cavs uh, three-man lineups have Colin Sexton in them. Um, and I was really curious uh, to kind of what the net ratings of some of the different lineups look like tonight and how, um, to me, the eye test was, man, did the Cavs' offense look good when they had two or three shooters and two or three of the bigger wings like uh, Windler and Chetty and um, uh, Wade, and it didn't look nearly as good. When, you know, they're running two small guards and and two big bigs. So, what, what, give me some revelation, lay some knowledge on me here, Chris. (laughs) Well, let's just say the eye test
0: is pretty good. We have in 16 minutes of action of Chetty, Dylan Windler, and Wade on the court this season. Okay. They have a net rating.
1: And, And I would say a lot of it was this game.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's a net rating of plus 27.21 points per hundred. Uh, The offensive rating is 112.5, and the defensive rating is 85.29.
1: Wow, that's really surprising.
0: Yeah, and actually, if you want to know where uh, a major aspect of that fantastic defensive rating is, is that the opponents are shooting from three 22% Interesting. while that group is on the floor. So they're defending the perimeter, it appears, pretty well. They're getting carved up inside, but uh, they're not allowing the three ball to get off. So yeah. um, that's I think that meets the eye test, wouldn't you say? I
1: I, I would. So that's all three of them at once. What are yep. some of the like, uh, t- two-man ratings or I, I okay, guess so the lineups with just two of those guys? Yeah, so um the
0: there's been actually there's been very few minutes with just the two. In fact there's never been any Dylan Windler Chetty Osman minutes on the season, as far as I know, without Dean Wade, that is. Oh, interesting. Um there has been sixteen minutes of Chetty Osman and Dean Wade without Dylan Windler and that's been uh, disastrous at minus 24.15 net reading. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was that line up again? Uh, that was Chetty Osman,
1: uh, Dean Wade without Wendler. Okay. Yes, exactly. And, 16 and minutes. Yeah. I, I thought Windler was fantastic tonight. Boy, did it seem like he made a statement for more playing time. Amen. Um, I, I also, Chetty Osman's been great. Uh, honestly... I would have much rather seen Chetty Osmond down the stretch than I would have the the Sex Lubio lineup. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm not going to get over that.
1: That is the perfect nickname. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I, it's it's just so, it's just so I don't understand why they keep running it. It's not a good lineup. It uh, objective, you know. uh Subjectively yeah. and objectively, it's just not a good lineup. They yeah. get killed defensively. They don't seem to know their roles. Um, God, so you so okay? You here you guys guys go. I, to, yeah,
0: I, you. I got it. I got you right here. You want to know what the net rating now is on Sex Lubio?
1: <laughs> yes, and this <laughs> is including this game.
0: I think so. Yes, okay. I believe this is updated because it's collapsed even further than what it was. It is minus thirty three point one nine points.
1: In how per many 100. how many minutes have they played it? Fourteen. Yeah, it's just been horrific every time I've seen it. And like I don't know why they don't just play Chetty instead of one of those two guys down the stretch. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's not doing anything
0: offensively. It's not doing anything defensively, as you said. I mean, you yeah. said that earlier. So, yeah, it, it's awful, and it needs to die, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely – it's just basketball malpractice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just don't understand it.
0: So, Ooh, and he, uh, your suggestion of replacing Chetty Osman in that three-man. So if you win Garland, Rubio, and Chetty, in the 14 minutes they've played together this season, that's a positive 16.84 yeah. with a – offensive rating of 120. Wow. And
1: and what's the defensive
0: rating? Uh it is a very respectable, it is a very respectable, actually elite, 103.85. Well, I, I was thinking it was around 104 because I know <laughs>
1: subtraction. So,
0: <laughs> so I, I, you know, your intuition there is dead on. I mean, it's sex, lubio, dead. You know, long live Chetty the Jedi. Jedi, you know, yeah, that's I, Chetty's been
1: fantastic this year.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. He, you know, it's uh, he had a little bit of a rough start defensively, you know, from the metrics, but his offense has been there. His offense yeah. is it's just fire right now.
1: Yeah, I mean he God, he had so this is his last three games four for seven four for five six for twelve for three <laughs> like that is just like you said that is just fire you know um, <laughs> wow his, you expect him to make it yeah you do I mean he's just he's just gunning um. Yeah, he's shooting 50% on the year with five attempts per game in just 17 minutes. Um, wow. you know, he has his plus minus is a combined negative 1.3, which is a huge uptick. Oh, he yeah. Basically hasn't had that level of play since, um, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, I, and I believe that's the last year LeBron was in Cleveland. Um, yeah. I'm I'm hearing Chetty breakout season is what I'm hearing. What do you yeah. think? I I certainly think he's due. I also I also think the general, you know, they're not asking him to do too much, which is yeah, you know, you, you. I guess you know one of the things you can say is well he's doing really well in 17 minutes a night. Why don't you give him more minutes? The in the flip side of that is boy, he's doing really well with 18 minutes a night. Let's not screw this up. Yep. <laughs> right, know. right. But I do feel like he, he could – you could expand his role. Uh, I certainly think Ricky Rubio should not be playing more than 30 minutes a night, and I'd really like to see his minutes capped out at about 25. Um, I, I, think- I think you're 100% correct with that. I mean, I think you said on the live thread
0: about maybe possibly dead legs.
1: You oh know? yeah, no. You can see the guy that Ricky Rubio was at the beginning of the season is not is is not there anymore. He's just doesn't have the legs that he did, mm-hmm. and I I think they need to cut his minutes down to like twenty five, um, and yeah. Yeah. give those minutes to you know Chetty Osman and or Dylan Windler. I I think you need to see some more Dean Wade at the four. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked the lineup where they had Mobley and Wade, Windler and Osman, and basically either Garland or Rubio tonight. I thought that mm-hmm. was a fantastic lineup. Yep. You know, you put Mobley out there with, with four shooters. Uh, you, you can't go wrong in my mind on offense. He's such a good passer. You know, I do think at times he tried to do a little too much tonight and he was getting, overwhelmed when he was turning his back to guys and yep um there were times he was horsing guys knew him pretty good he had a really nice play at the beginning of the game against uh robert covington where he just kind of got him on the right left block put his right shoulder into him just leveraged him out of the way and just banked in a a layup oh yeah yeah it was some bully ball wasn't it it was some bully ball and you know covington didn't let him get low again you know, and that was kind of <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> what helped Evan is he doesn't have the core that Covington. Covington is probably one of the stronger wing defenders in the league, and oh, yeah. one of those guys that can literally guard all five positions. But yeah. you know, uh, he he definitely started using his strength and leverage against uh, Mobley, and Mobley's legs did, weren't as strong in the fourth quarter as they were in the first for sure, but. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I loved the fact that we saw Evan Mobley really struggle at the beginning of the fourth quarter, but still keep playing. Like, he yeah. still had that enormous block, still had, you know, that oop was still running the floor. Yeah, what's, what's amazing is
0: that, you know, we're talking this has probably been, this might have been his worst game as a Cav, and yeah. he still put up a double-double.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's, his bad games look good.
1: Yeah, and he still played really good defense at times. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I just I agree with you
0: 100. percent I just think he was tired today, uh, tonight. I think yeah. he, he's just been playing a crap ton of minutes, and yeah. uh, you know it, it may have caught up with him at this point. You know, or at least uh, you know you had the thing about the first game off uh, a road trip type deal. It could have been that the dead legs from that. So
1: yeah, but you know the Cavs have been. Cavs have played the most games in the NBA, and they're still playing games every other night. Um, at some point, everybody Please. else is going to catch up with them in terms of games played. But, you know, the fact that they're five and four in that stretch is, you know, really impressive. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Chris Francis. And we want to talk a little bit about uh, the Cavs' big man play. Of course, you know, they lost Kevin Love and Lori Markinen to the health and safety protocol. You got to hope that the, if, I'm assuming that means COVID exposure or, or COVID contraction. Um, you got to hope that their health stays up and that uh, the rest of the team doesn't start coming down with it. Because obviously you missed Kev for one game and then you got Laurie coming out and missing the next game. So a a little bit scary there, but um, hopefully they got it handled. Um, Yeah. Luckily,
0: uh, uh, Wadge reported that it was a hundred percent vaccination for the roster. So um, hopefully the, the, the numbers hold, you know, and and take root there.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to just talk about, uh, you know, the last, Five games for Jared Allen, you know, real trick-or-treat. And we were talking at the break. The Cavs have literally played since this last Wednesday to this Wednesday. It's been seven games in – or five games in, you know, what is ostensibly eight days, but is really seven days, <laughs> you know, <sighs> um, which is which is really crazy. They played the Clippers on the 27th. And Jared Allen had a eight-rebound, um, four-point game. Didn't really, you know, play the most impactful game, but the Cavs still won it. So that's the important thing. And then you saw a couple, I, I would call them kind of duds, against uh, Phoenix and the the Lakers. And it kind of felt a little bit like the Cavs' road legs were catching up with them. Uh, you know, we had a six-point uh, uh, nine-rebound game and then a 4.8-rebound game. And, you know, I know against Phoenix he was in foul trouble. The other thing that – well, no, he wasn't in foul trouble. He just didn't play that many minutes. But that was the game where JB kind of subbed out all the starters yep. in the third quarter and they never yep. came back. And it was a weird game. I think that was the one I recapped. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think,
0: you know, some people said that he was trying to send a message or, you know, to me, it was just he was just said to me, he was just saying this was a schedule lost. He just, you know, it was because that was the, yeah you know, I think that game happened. It was a three. It was the third game in four nights on the road at yeah. that point. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then of course, yeah, that was LA and Phoenix back to back. That's a that's a tough back to back Oh, they were back to back. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, and then of course, uh coming back two nights later in Charlotte, just a monster game, uh twenty four points, sixteen rebounds, two assists, three blocks, was everywhere defensively. Um again, just like tonight. Uh, really just dunking the ball with authority. Um you know, just everywhere around the basket. And clearly, Charlotte didn't have an answer for him, you know, defensively. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was fantastic. Um, and then again, tonight, another, you know, we talked about 24 points, 17 rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. I mean, good gravy. That those are <laughs> That's MVP a superstar numbers. performance. <laughs> yeah, those are MVP <laughs> numbers for sure. So, I mean, I would love to see him expand his game. I, I would love to see the Cavs set up some jump shots for him. Um, that He kind of reluctantly took a left corner three tonight, but, I mean, obviously he's just so good and so athletic and so powerful around the basket that it really, you know, a lot of teams just don't have an answer for him right now because a lot of teams aren't playing centers that are that athletic and physical anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to me,
0: that's kind of what I mentioned in the Charlotte recap is He's not really doing anything uh, outside of his normal game. And he's putting up these superstar numbers doing it. It's just defensive energy and um, finishing at the rim is basically what this runs, you know, the past two games have been built on. And he's doing, you know, he's putting up superstar numbers. It's just uh, like you said, and, you know, in reflecting back on the last four or five games, it's just we need to see this consistently, you know, this, this is what he's capable of every night. And he can, he, like you said, this is MVP work right now, you know, like those are MVP type numbers. And so um, the question is, you know, can he keep that energy? Can he keep the pace up um, 40, almost 40 minutes tonight? You know, I mean, that was a Herculean effort tonight. I can't believe it. You know, I can't, you know, it
1: was, uh, dumbfounded. You know? <laughs> well, and you saw his energy start to wane in the fourth quarter as they were out in yeah. the paint. You know, he missed mm-hmm. some some shots at the rim, and then you saw he kind of short armed a dunk against Charlotte the night before. <laughs> so
0: all. <laughs> it was, it was the only low light of the
1: night. Yeah, it yeah. was that? <laughs> but I mean, he did so many other things. You know, I know yeah, exactly. He made a. F- <laughs> but it's it's just. <laughs> It, it kind of goes to—but sh- I will also say that the Phoenix game, the guards were doing a terrible job, and, and the L.A. game, the guards were doing a terrible job of getting in the ball, too. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that's a, uh, 100% correct. I mean, what was his shot attempt on those two nights?
1: Like three shots? Yeah, exactly. It was uh, f- uh, both nights, three shots. Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, should never happen. I mean, obviously, right. he had a couple trips to the line in there, but— yeah, that, that shouldn't happen. And one of the things Fratello did just a really nice job in the uh, in the postgame comments talking about, you know, one of the things that the Cavs bigs have to realize and that they did a good job of doing tonight is that when you roll to the basket, you don't have to get always get all the way to the rim for a lob. Sometimes you do a half roll, stop in the pocket, you know, get the ball on a bounce pass, get some post position, And then you can either, you know, execute a post move or, you know, turn and swing the ball to the weak side shooters. And, you know, that's where he did a really good job swinging out for an assist to Dylan Windler one time tonight. And then of course, Allen and Mobley both do a fantastic job of finding each other passing on the interior. And, you know, I feel like one of the best things that's happened to, Jared Allen is is Evan Mobley joining the team and just a really willing interior passer that knows how to find him has has helped him immensely, too. I'd be really interested to see the breakdown of where, you know, Jared Allen's assisted baskets are coming from, because I bet you that Evan Mobley probably has at least a third of them
0: yeah yeah uh, i mean that's a fantastic point by fratello there because and we really saw it tonight because in in stopping stopping at that uh just short of the uh restricted area what um a what Allen especially was able to do is just take advantage of his length at that position yeah all it takes is one dribble and he's at the rim you know and uh also, I'll have to give credit uh, to Colin Sexton tonight because tonight was probably the best I've ever seen him hit the roll man in rhythm. Yeah, um, there's he's he's especially always had the this. First half. Yeah, especially in the first half, right? Right. Um, I mean, Sexton's always had this problem of never making that pass in rhythm. He holds onto the ball one extra second too late, and it disrupts the whole flow of the play. But tonight right. he was, you know, getting – I think that's that's what it did was it allowed – it gave time to Allen to see the floor. You know, he had four assists on the night like you mentioned because he would stop at that elbow, you know, before, and survey the floor. He was able to kick out and hit shooters or, you know, see the dump off. I think he had a – I'm pretty sure he may have had a assist to Mobley tonight too in some big-to-big passing as you alluded to. So – um. Yeah. So I I wanted to give a shout out to Sexton's rhythm passing there for a second, at least in the first half. Uh, love to see more of that because I mean that's a that was a huge barrier for him being on ball, uh, not not making those rhythm passes to get the flow going.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, just talking about Evan Mobley a little bit, uh, through you know the last, the eight games this season. You know, we're seeing thirteen point six four points, eight rebounds, uh, two point six assists, a block and a half, uh, a little over a steal a game. Um, just really doing a little bit of everything. And his field goal percentage is four ninety four. You know, right below five hundred. That's not and bad because he shoots a lot of jumpers. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna break down his shooting splits a little bit, but. I I feel like most of his success is is at the rim. Yeah. Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, And he definitely missed some bunnies tonight. Um, Right. Yep. And and that seems to be one thing that happens as he gets tired and gets, you know, more into games. And I I will also say that he's probably, when he gets muscle on his frame, you know, upper body and core strength and and legs, as he develops, he's just going to become a better and better finisher it's gonna be exciting it, it is gonna be exciting yeah for sure um oh yeah
0: I mean Mobley's I it's a dream start I mean the whole talk right now of the NBA is just he's the best player in the draft right now right
1: you I don't know even I mean, that's, think that's true I mean I I think well no I mean this draft class is so loaded Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, but that, I mean, I think I say.
0: at least other fans of uh, fans of other teams have just said, you know, it seems to be unanimous that he's rookie of the year right now. Oh, I don't know if that's true,
1: to be honest with really? you. Because of um, uh, oh, who's the rookie in Toronto? Oh, Scotty Barnes. Scotty yeah. Barnes. No, I mean, Scotty Barnes is up to, there. Uh, yeah.
0: No, that's a good point. You know, yeah. No, I would I would agree with that 100%. That's competition I mean, for sure.
1: No, but this class is to me the most loaded class I've seen since 2003. I mean, it's just stocked with ridiculous guys and it's not just it's honestly not even the top 2 guys. They're not right. really playing that well. It's, you know, uh Scotty Barnes, it's Evan Mobley, it's Franz Wagner down in... Right. uh, Giddy. Josh Giddy. It's... um, uh, Who's the guy out in Utah? Um, Oh, Jared Butler. Yeah, he was a second-round pick, too, I think. Yeah, and then you've got, um, in Indiana, Duarte. Right, Duarte. You've got, you know, the guys out in uh, Golden State. Uh, holding their own, playing pretty mm-hmm. well. So, yep. but yeah, Scotty Barnes is averaging eighteen and nine uh, on fifty-five wow. percent field goal percentage. He's been really, and that's not even you know shooting. He's going to be a phenomenal player. I mean, wow! It, it, it's, wow! It's looking like such a great move that they passed on. Jalen Suggs, Jaylen Suggs yeah. and took Scotty Barnes. So, and and Eli's Eli's guy. Eli really wanted Scotty Barnes. So, there no, there you go, Eli. Shout out to you, man. You got it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, one of the things that you almost have to love as a Cavs fan is that Scotty Barnes is so good as a rookie because he has such an NBA body already. Um right. And Evan Mobley is this good-looking like a beanpole. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really honestly excited that Evan Mobley looks this good without having spent a bunch of time in the weight room or at least been able to add that muscle that, you know, when he gets in three, four years is just going to be unstoppable. Just so, don't work with the Instagram trainer
0: that trained Jason Tatum this past off season. Was, oh, I don't know this story. Oh man, it's bad. It's bad. Like if you if I can tell it real quick, what's, yeah. what, the, what the deal is, is that apparently Jason Tatum worked out with this Instagram trainer that trained Russell Westbrook. And apparently like the year after Russell Westbrook trained with the guy, like apparently his shooting went to crap. Like he just couldn't make anything anymore. And Jason Tatum worked with the same guy this offseason and now apparently has lost his shooting touch. He's been a disaster. Uh, for Boston to open the season, and there's already rumblings. It was because of this Instagram trainer that turned him into a, a, a like a weightlifter guy. So uh, just know, like uh, the joke was, uh, you should be fined if you work with an Instagram
1: trainer. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook as an NBA player, Facebook yeah, ruining it for everybody, man. They
0: are. You're, you're absolutely right. You. Are.
1: <laughs> it's uh. Uh, what's the head of Facebook? Zuckerberg is just ruining ruining life for everyone man, come on, Zuck
0: jeez <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah it was it was a funny story it's apparently the guy's uh Instagram handle is just train i think or or that's his uh display name is just yeah, train.
1: and and personally, I couldn't i mean did you see Marcus smart calling out uh Tatum Ooh. and um brown right Jalen Brown yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, like I did for not passing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I well, and the thing is, is there was rumors that they wanted to trade Smart last year um, because he was due a new contract, but they ended up not trading him and re-signing him yeah. to a pretty substantial deal. I think it was like four years, twenty I think it was over four twenty for forty-eight. More. Yeah, yeah. Or was it that low? Oh, yeah. I thought it was like over twenty or something like that. It was, oh, per
1: year. Per year, yeah. I thought it was like, yeah. I, did, I may be thinking of the previous, or maybe it was three for sixty or something. I don't know.
0: But. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the case is, apparently, uh, uh, people are not happy about Marcus Smart. They're not happy about Tatum. They're not happy about like that. Is just a disaster. I, I'm class so happening.
1: heartbroken to see the lake or the Celtics struggling. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's just it. Just, it just breaks. My
1: heart. I, I hear the pain in your soul right now. <laughs> you remember I picked him to to. As the under, oh, you did, yeah, you did. I, I just um, did. You saw it, it coming. Oh, I saw it coming because they just the way they're constructed makes no sense, and it, the there's not enough. It's not a team. Let's put it that way. Right, it's, right. It's two. It's a bunch of guys, and that's one of the things I love about the Cavs right now. Is you know, for all their warts, and for all that we complain about sexton you know his game on the court everybody on that team seems completely bought in and you know when we come, come back down. from the break we're yeah. gonna talk about my favorite guy who i wish uh was still on the team but we watched tonight and that's larry Nash jr so we'll be right back welcome back to Cavs a podcast i'm nate smith and i'm here with Chris Francis. There you go. There you go. No, I caught it just in nights. time. <laughs> uh, it's the only time I've let you say your name all night. So
0: I know. Well, I was, I, I was trying to get prepped for Portland, so I was like, oh, no, no, no,
1: no. yeah. So we're gonna talk a little bit about Portland. You know, my take on Portland. That team is playing Cody Zeller way too much, and Larry Nance not enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cody Zeller <laughs> minus seventeen tonight. Um, Ooh. Seven points, five boards, Larry Nance, you know, minus eight, but ha- has his on off stats pull Larry Nance's on off stats for the season. I just kinda want to see what they are, but
0: Oh yeah, they were uh well I believe they were uh outside of tonight, they were leading the team at plus twelve point nine.
1: Yeah, and he's not, by far. He's only playing like twenty minutes a night. Yeah, less like, less why I, isn't I think it's seventeen, more. yeah. But I'll tell you why he's not playing more. I don't Mm. think Chauncey Billups can coach. I, Mm. no, I, he just doesn't strike me as a great coach. I just, I agree. Yeah. I don't understand what he's doing. I don't know how you go from, you know, going from commenting, commentating with, you know, hardly any assistant coach experience of, you know, how to run a locker room, how to run a team. And obviously he was a good player for a long time, but I don't know how you go right from that to a head coach in the NBA. And I almost want to, I almost want to look up, you know, talk amongst yourselves, uh, who his assistants are. But I mean, what was your take I on? Did st-
0: yeah, I saw Scotty Brooks was one. Uh, that's a but. I, well, here's the thing about Portland, from what I know, talking with uh, some Portland fans, is that the way, like the the bad vibes began in the off season with Portland. Um, oh, for sure. Basically, like especially with the Chauncey Billups hire, because um there was a report that came out um you know basically talking about how Phillips had a very serious um sexual assault allegation yes yes and i don't even college. know if it was a yes it, i mean it was uh you know the details of it are public record it was absolutely disgusting uh and the way that olshi uh nate olshi the uh portland gm handled the situation in the report was Absolutely disgusting in and of itself. Um, he well, was yeah, classless. and
1: basically just it, hired some guy to say, hey, we did our Right. But
0: yes, our exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, the bad vibes were there from the jump. It, and especially, and it starts with Nate Olshe, you know, who I think there's a guy right
1: there. Well, it doesn't f- even start with Nate Olshe. It starts with um, the owner who's Larry Allen's sister. What? Uh, what? Oh, oh right! Oh yeah! 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 yeah, yeah who yeah. inherited the team was a, from Larry Allen. Okay, uh, Paul Allen. It was a Paul, Paul Allen. Allen. Yeah, yes. Paul Allen's sister. Sorry, I don't yeah. know why. Okay. Said Larry Allen was a left guard for the Dallas Cowboys. That's right. <laughs> wow! There you go. I'm mean, impressed. That, your names are good this season. Anybody's freaking
0: name. But, <laughs> but yes. you're on fire. You got them these days. <laughs> well, no, I still called them the owner of the. Well, that's true, <laughs> but at least it, you referenced a real person.
1: You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. But um, yeah, it's Paul Allen's sister. I can't remember her name. Oh, I gotta,
0: okay, gotcha, gotcha. I gotta look it,
1: it up. Hot googling out Al- action. So we need it. We need it. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Tom Pestak. Where are you? So it is Jody Allen who runs the Paul G. Okay. Allen Trust. Um okay. and does not have a lot of fans among Portland, the Portland oh, faithful. I um, see. Okay, so bad vibes from the top. Yeah, bad vibes. And of course, the whole thing was that Chauncey Billups was the the guy that Dame Lillard wanted, and then when all the sexual assault stuff came out, um, you know, Lillard was like, oh, I don't know anything about exactly. this. Oh yeah, I'm that washed, was bad. To wash oh his yeah, hands of the whole situation. So.
0: No, you're absolutely 100 percent correct. So, I mean, that's how they began the year. And now, uh, well, another thing to, you know, another disaster sign, I guess, was uh, Dame's performance with Team USA. Um, It was uneven at best, I'd say. And it wasn't really till Kevin Durant took over the team that uh, they started winning, you know, uh, thriving, uh, in the Olympics. So, um, he, and, and the thing about the Olympics and we've talked to, you know, uh, um, we've talked about it before is, uh, the physical play in the Olympics really affected Dame Lillard, they, you know, and other guys as well, uh, Bradley Beal and a few others where they were not dealing with the contact very well. And now they're, you know, the NBA changed those rules for the betterment of the flow of the game. And the struggles have continued for Dame Lillard. I I think, you know, there's uh, – people are uh, starting to talk, uh, is Dame Lillard done? You know, is has he hit the after-30 wall finally? And is he done as a – you know,
1: has he done as a superstar player that he has
0: been and going at this insane clip?
1: Well, and if you look at the team right now, it's CJ McCollum is – you know, yep. leading him in scoring, leading mm-hmm. him in three point shooting. Um, and Daryl Morey screwed up. Yeah. Well, and they've <laughs> made other goofy signings. They signed Tony Snell, who led the NBA in three point percentage last year, um, and, and did so by having a more, an even more, um, cutthroat shot selection from three than Colin Sexton, you know, just a guy <laughs> who would only shoot when absolutely wide open. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Tony Snell has only played ten minutes for that team, and yeah, it's it's an odd rotation. And I don't think that you know, if I was that team, I'd be playing Larry twenty five to thirty minutes a night if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, it, boy, it made me wish he was back in in Cleveland, but uh, he's not, so I just got to live with it. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. Was well, so. How do you think this shakes out for Portland? What do you uh, do? You think they pull the plug? Do you think Dame uh, demands a trade? What, how do well, you so do? You think they move anybody?
1: I think that they are just n- going to have a really hard time competing for a playoff spot. I, I actually, it's funny. I think that, um, Carmelo Anthony was a little underrated on that team. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he really kind of balanced the floor for them. And his shooting being gone has hurt their half court offense. Um, Norman Powell is a good scorer, but I don't know if he is a guy that really helps stretch the floor for them. Um, of course, he is. Uh, shooting he's still shooting forty percent from three, so you know good numbers there but i I do think they miss him off their bench um he was kind of a glue guy for them weirdly um yeah yeah he was really their six man, you know yeah. for all intents and purposes yeah and they're one of these teams that has a really good starting five, and you know they're not playing Larry Nance junior enough, and they're playing too much Cody zeller. And that's you know hurting them. <laughs> it, it's a little bit weird. I, I oh, don't yeah. understand their rotations. Don't make a lot of sense to me. But I think know, it's more of a, I think it's
0: really what you said is their bench is terrible. It's not outside of Nance. Who do you yeah. trust?
1: Well, and they don't trust Nance clearly. I mean, right? He's exactly. <laughs> eighth in minutes. So, you know, I I don't know. Anthony Simons has been a guy that his net rating has been brutal for you know years um let me see what it is this year i guess well he not-
0: was yeah he was 11 minus 11.2 tonight so yeah. he didn't help
1: he didn't help tonight yeah he's he, he's been okay this year his bpm is 3.2 so you know oh that's, wow that's pretty good well it's interesting
0: cuz the portland fan i just talked to about the game she said that uh they may they may regret uh, letting him play on the qualified
1: offer. Oh, and because they did not pay him. him. Yep, yep. Well, and they've got a lot of t- money tied up in a lot of guys, and and maybe what you see is them try to move Lillard. Um, you know, maybe Lillard doesn't demand the trade. Maybe the team trades him. <laughs> <laughs> what what
0: percentage would you give on a Dylan a Damian Lillard trade this season? <sighs>
1: Well, I would give – I'm going to give 40%. I, I think – Oh, wow. I was going to go 30 So that's – yeah. Just – yeah.
0: Wow. That's a lot. That's actually very high if we're, if we're being honest. I just honest. don't
1: think the West – I have a hard time seeing them competing the way that they're playing right now. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean –
0: and it was interesting. Well, it's funny that Dame, Damian Lillard talks a lot about loyalty – in staying in one spot and, you know, grinding through and making it happen. You know, that would be a a very, uh, turnabout, a quick turnabout, you know, uh,
1: you know, if this thing drags on, uh, much longer. I mean, to me, the order of the top 10 in the West is not, you know, that accurate, but Mm -hmm. I do think the teams that are in that top 10 right now, you know, it goes the usual suspects, and then you've got the T Wolves and and Kings right behind them. I think that's a pretty accurate barometer of, of where the West is right now. And then you got the Blazers at three and five, the Spurs at two and six, and then you know the Rockets and the Thunder, which, who are tearing up their ear. Yeah, yeah.
0: Are you believer in Are you believer or non believer in
1: the Wolves or Kings? I, I do think they are playing game worthy. And I've been very pleasantly surprised by the Grizzlies so far. Um, really? Yeah. Well, of course, I would, it hopes that they just got... Looks like they got an absolute steal last year in Desmond Bain, who has been yeah. starting and just... I mean, if you can get a 30th pick that's starting in his second year and averaging 19, 19 points a game, you're doing pretty good drafting. That was a win. Yep, <laughs> that's that's, a, win. that's an unqualified W. <laughs> yeah. that And one of the... Um, comments I read on Twitter today that said that, you know, the Jared Allen acquisition is one of those outlier acquisitions that really turns teams' fortunes around. And I, I, or not Larry Ann, I said it, I did it again. (laughs) Jared (laughs) Allen. And I really feel like that is absolutely true for the Cavs and a guy like Desmond Bain, you know, absolutely true for the Grizzlies. So there you go. Uh, Yeah, and
0: what I will say is I've been pleasantly surprised by the Kings. I think the Kings are—they're scrappy, you know. I think Davia Mitchell has kind of brought a defensive mentality to that team that everybody's kind of adopted there.
1: Well, and the funny thing about it is a lot of people pan that pick, myself included, but he's Mm -hmm. given their bench an absolute identity. Yeah. You know, And yeah. if you got a guy that's just going to be scrappy on offense and defense, and he almost reminds me of how Isaiah Thomas was when he came in as a, you know, a bench guard and obviously a light years better defensive player, but mm-hmm. a guy mm-hmm. that's just, a, you know, a, a water bug on offense and you can yep. build your whole, uh, you can build a whole bench offense around him. You know, really useful player, and you know another guy from this really loaded draft class. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's uh, it's tough out west, and yeah, yeah. Well, uh, wow, it's tough and, in the east too. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> I, I, Portland's, you know, uh, do you think they turn it around?
1: No, I, I don't. I think they're going to be on the outside looking in all season, and I, I honestly think it would be better for them if they swooned a little. <laughs> to don't to, to think? Well, no. I think if they're right near the play-in or, you know, the sixth or seventh seed right at the end, I actually don't think that's great for them. I think it would be much better for them if they went on an extended losing streak and said, hey, okay, yeah, it's really time to blow this up. <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. That you heard it here first, people. The Cavs just blew up the Blazers.
1: <laughs> well, some it, G- no, Jason. I think Jason on uh, the live thread said it today. Did oh, be, did he? Okay, somebody <laughs> on the live thread. Did shout out it. to I,
0: Jason. Yeah, the good call. Thank you. Thank you for the attribution. Yeah,
1: but shout I, will, out to Jason. I will say that um it, it's nothing is true till mid December when the the sure. kind of the first trade gate opens. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, is that that's okay? When that's when guys uh, signed in the summer can be traded. Ah,
0: uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we're I guess we're probably three, four weeks away from a twenty game sample. I guess.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. So,
1: and and that's when you kind of say, okay, yeah, this is this is where we're at right now. But you know, the the East is brutal too. You know, the yeah. Heat are looking very good. Um, yeah. And they don't, and they still got guys on injury that are coming back. You oh, know, and uh,
0: who, who was injured? Uh, is I think
1: Depot? Ol Depot's still injured. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then there's talk they may be able to get, um, oh, Drogic back. <laughs> because if, uh, Toronto trades him to another team and they buy him out, they could sign Dodge. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's how I was gonna
0: do it. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's wild. It's he's doing the Dwayne Wade, the Dwayne Wade
1: Cavs thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, meanwhile you got the Sixers at six and two, you know, Embiid looking like an MVP again. And the funny thing. You, about, Ewing Fury candidate Ben Simmons. Yeah, well, and you know, his
0: value's just dropping by the day. Oh, I know. Um, oh, my God. I mean, you, you seen I, I the, mean, story, the new reports today? No. Okay, so apparently he's claiming he has – he's seeking help, professional help for mental illness issues. And the the team tried to offer him, you know, resources and services in that regard and he refused them. Well, so,
1: I, yeah, it's just this it's,
0: ongoing saga that's like – I don't know what's happening. I mean, like you said, at the end of the day, what it is is his trade values tanked.
1: Well, and the other thing is, like, if you're the, I don't even know if I want them on the Cavs now, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Why would you screw up, screw with success at this point if the Cavs are winning?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's only if there was like a if it was a real fire sale, then you yeah. would take a flyer, right? I mean, that's about it. The
1: as a trade value thing, right? Yeah, I mean the the crazy thing about the East right now is the Bucks are tenth. You know, <laughs> you no, know they're not going to stay tenth all right. season. Right, know. Middleton and Holiday are out for them. Right, yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of you know you got the Wizards are are playing, we're playing well. Uh, they've lost the last two, but you know I, Atlanta's four and four. Although I think I think Atlanta's going to struggle this year a lot more than people thought they might. So. Ooh, little hangover, feeling
0: themselves too much.
1: I, yeah, it, it could be some of that. Um, you know, it's 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 a really interesting season so far. I'm watching Golden State right now. They are the other one lost team in the NBA. You know, there's three one lost teams: the Jazz, the. I was just looking at them. The Heat and the Warriors. And the Warriors, wow. I think I picked the under for them. I think I, as long as they stay healthy, I'm definitely going to be wrong. On yeah, that. that was one I was confident in. I just, I'm, um, yeah, am yeah, you know, it's really <laughs> interesting that, um, you know, Steph Curry, you'd think he'd be a guy that was really affected by these rule changes, but they, they haven't affected him. He's just, no. You know, and I hate the guy, but man, do I respect his craft. No kidding. <laughs> like, yeah, I guy feel the same. Yep, has made himself into an, a phenomenal player. You know, and I, unbelievable. I, I've watched him since he was a butler. Oh, no, not butler. Uh, Davidson. Davidson. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and I want the Cavs to get him so bad, but oh man,
0: yeah, yeah. is he just. Uh, you know he's he's the anti Dame apparently
1: this year. Like he's just trugging along and Dame struggling. So well, I think that whole Portland situation is is a little bit toxic too.
0: So yep, yep, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah.
1: So it, yeah, it's definitely been fun. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're gonna wrap this up and look forward uh, to the next uh, few games and um. I I got a couple things I want to ask you about if you've seen or uh, recommendations, your picks for the week. So uh, we'll be right back. So an exciting slate of Cavs games coming up. Uh, We've got uh, a couple more road games, uh, which is insane that the Cavs have played this many road games. But, you know, Raptors (laughs) on Friday and then Knicks on Sunday. A weird 6 p.m. start. Uh not that I mind on a work and school night, but then the Caps finally get an extra day off. (laughs) Yay. Uh they play and then they have a nice homestand, four game homestand. Uh play the Wizards Pistons and a weird two game homestand against the Celtics. So that should be fun. You we all know I love that the Celtics get to spend uh three nights in Cleveland. (laughs) Because <laughs> yes. they play the 13th, and then they play again on the 15th. And it's like, are they going to go home? Are they going to stay? I, I hope they stay. Check out the Rock Hall, guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and then they play at the Nets, and then they've got another four-game homestand. But it's a much tougher one against the Warriors, Nets, Suns, and Magic. Whoa. Uh, I mean, obviously. Three out of four. Yeah, three out of four are tough teams. but Whoa. That's be, that's a hell of a trio of teams there. Yeah, that should be fun though. I mean, there there are no easy nights in the NBA anymore, but Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and there's a lot of tough games in November for Cleveland. So, you hope they eat a little bit against uh, you know, their next five or six opponents with, you know, playing a struggling Boston team and the Wizards and the Pistons. And yeah. then, then they have a tough second half of the month, but it should be really fun. And I think we were talking about before the break. There's really only win, but Ben won stinker of a game this year. And that was that Phoenix game. And even then they backdoor covered. Right, exactly. And that was a back-to-back. I mean, it was a three-game, you know, it was a
0: predictable
1: thing that, Schedule you know, loss.
0: Right, exactly. Total schedule loss.
1: So, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely fun. Yeah, it's been a fun yeah. year so far. And
0: well, yeah, I was just telling Nate, for those who were uh, weren't listening, you know, while we were off uh, for break, that there's a buzz, there's a buzz about the Cavs from non-Cavs people. That people are talking about the Cavs that are non-Cavs fans, and it's and it's great that, uh I mean, the buzz is back. You know, it's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for a week straight, the Cavs had the dunk of the night for like three
0: right. seconds oh, yeah yeah you're uh, totally
1: and, right <laughs> and we haven't I'm hoping that marketing and Love aren't out for too long and then oh when yeah. they come back they're is gonna help too I mean gosh Um oh, that was the. that's probably the play that has ticked me off more than any other play this year because I thought it was a little dirty, huh? I thought it was a lot dirty. And Ooh. if I'd have been Bickerstaff, I'd have been out halfway on the court, and you'd have been holding me back. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, yes, Chris would have been like, I'm... don't go there, Nate. Don't go there. <laughs> Chris would have been holding me back. Hold me back, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been doing my Kevin Hart impersonations. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, minus the humor and the muscles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right. it, it's been fun. Um um, wh- anything that you're looking forward to in the next few games?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is, I'm wondering if there are going to be any changes. Are we going to see Windler and Wade on a more regular basis? They're going to get some consistent minutes. Are there gonna be? Is there going to be a change possibly in lineups? Um, the one that I'm curious about, but it's kind of, uh, more a question now than it was before is, uh, a Coro, uh, at the two, um, yeah. and they missed and him tonight. Did they ever? Yeah, I would have totally agree. Yeah. I mean, they just, I feel like have... they missed
1: him down the stretch defensively more than anything.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And even though, ironically, his impact has been, uh, I believe more significant from a Offensive rate or rating standpoint on offense than it has been on defense, yeah, which is curious.
1: So, well, and, and you know, the way the Cavs were shooting before tonight, I said, I was like, they got to get Okoro back just to up the shooting, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, so I they're they're missing three key rotation pieces. I mean, yeah. this is tough, you know, a starter um,
1: and you know, a borderline starter, and a and yep. probably their best or their most experienced bench player i'll say exactly yeah no he's been terrific and, and honestly too. kevin love has been a lot a huge part of their best lineups uh, most it's of their absolutely best lineups yep feature love and rubio
0: yeah so. yeah i mean they're the uh, i know that that was in reference to david uh Zavak. or yep. I'm sorry if i blew it but uh the best lineup was with mobley is rubio and love and yeah. it's because you're putting them you're putting Mobley with two high IQ guys who know how to play the game
1: and pass, yeah, and pass exactly, right? And, or two other high IQ guys? Oh, right, no,
0: you're absolutely right. Thank you for the correction. That is absolutely correct, <laughs> absolutely.
1: So, uh, in other news, you got anything to pitch, Chris? Well, uh, and don't I do tell me about an article you haven't written.
0: <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> I know. Got Although, I yeah, no, it's totally deserved. No, the. I did see Dune finally. Oh
1: yeah, so we can talk a little Dune.
0: Yeah, Dune was. You think? I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, kind of disappointed that it was a like. I guess I didn't realize it was out of the box going to be part of a sequence or series. Oh okay. So that kind of threw me, and and um, it sucks that I kind of want to see the next one. You know, and also well, they didn't I even have
1: the next one up greenlit yet and they were kind wow. to see how the first one did so wow
0: so yeah i mean i've heard people say that it might have worked better as a television series i don't know Oh, if i you, think you i said that, that. yeah oh did you say that okay yeah, there you go yeah been. i knew i heard from somebody yeah uh, and i totally agree with that you know because of this i'm like that was a great first part but
1: i want more <laughs> yeah so well, and i uh you know i i s- it frustrated me a little. Did you ever see the David Lynch one? No, I did not. With Kyle it's, McLaughlin in no. the eighties. It was it was seminal. Um, Is it, should I watch it? I mean, oh, I think see? it's worth a watch. I mean, okay. I would okay. say the effects are not great, of, right. But right. at least some of the effects. Uh, the The digital effects are like you know, and they do that shielding thing. Oh, right, right. It's terrible in the eighties version. <laughs> That being said, the you know the costume effects and the the spaceship effects they're all fine. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um,
0: and and I'm first. a Lynch fan. I, I'm I'm a Lynch yeah. fan. So the
1: the um, the worm stuff isn't great, but right, whatever. Um, right. <laughs> but Kyle McLaughlin's great in it. It's a fantastic cast. The cast is Sean Young. Um, Max von Sydow's in it, um, Sting is in it, (laughs) Um, Sting plays the same role that I believe, um, oh, what's his name, um, the Drax, the Destroyer, oh, okay, Sting plays the same role that Dave Bautista does, oh, wow, that's wild, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, um, they, uh, who else is in it, um, Patrick Stewart's in it. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. No, it's a fantastic oh. cast. Um, I think Jurgen Prochnow's in it. Um, it. It's just a really, really good cast. So definitely uh, worth, worth a watch. Um, a lot of that movie was seriously taken from, and obviously it's from a book series, but right. I felt right. like there's a, the movie had a huge influence on the new one. Um, mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. You know, what that first movie did was try to contain the whole first Dune book in that movie. And mm. it it tries to do a little too much. Gotcha. Um, but I kind of felt like this movie should have either expanded focus or narrowed focus. I felt like, you know, I think I said in my review, it felt like one and a third movies. Um, oh, okay. Like, okay. I, I just, I kind of didn't understand the narrative arc of where it ended um and I thought it should have changed a little bit, but it was well done. I thought the acting was good. I thought um that the casting was was really fantastic you know? yes i i I kind of didn't think they gave the actors enough scenery to chew on in parts you know that's why yeah. I kind of wish they'd kept it the same link, but zoomed in a little bit, you know had a little more character development for some of the characters and like, you never really got behind the the Dr. Yui's motivations. And that's a good point. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, um, there weren't a lot of scenes with the Harkonnens and the Emperor. Like, you didn't see the Emperor at all. And maybe that's a big reveal later. But I, I yeah. wanted a little bit more character development. To me, part of it felt like it was not an adaptation. As much as just a reimagining of the first movie, um, mm. and so I, I wanted it to be a little. I wanted him to take a few more liberties, I guess, and and give us you know some more character development than what we got for some of the characters. But yeah, I all guess
0: all was, to me, I relate that your your point about character development is. I guess is that why you said you thought it might work better as a television series because oh, yeah, that's, sure. that's that's it seems like that's where because like it basically seemed like this one was just a preview. At the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of takes... That movie takes you about halfway through the plot of the first... Of the David Lynch movie. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. There's a a ton more in the David Lynch movie. Um, Wow. And, I mean, the storytelling is actually pretty good. But the David Lynch movie, I think there was a director's cut that was almost four hours. So... You know, yeah, well, that was
0: his big regret. Uh, I remember watching a Lynch uh, interview, and he said uh, Dune was the only movie he did. I think uh, at that from that point that uh, he didn't have final cut, and he never gave up final cut ever again after that.
1: Interesting. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. So, but you liked it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I didn't was, dislike it. I just thought it should have been different so
0: yeah the hook for me was basically the religious allegory you know that yeah. it was obviously a hook given my background you know i studied the stuff you know school and everything in in the academic sense so i really dug the um the ode to you know islamic theology in, oh, yeah. in the movie yeah. yeah yeah there's
1: a really good article on slate about um kind of how dune falls into the trap that the movie falls into the trap that the author didn't want it to so you you should check that
0: out yeah no i mean absolutely because i was gonna say my main criticism of the movie was it was the classic white savior trope um, oh right and yeah one of
1: the things that the author is
0: didn't want that so exactly he, he was probably trying to yes uh, problematize that yeah yeah, yeah. frank
1: herbert Okay, cool. Very yeah. cool. One nice. of the things, so spoiler alert on this stuff, um, one of the things I really liked about the movie, probably my favorite thing was kind of how he had all these visions of different events happening different ways. Um, and mm. I really liked kind of like the permutations of that and kind of the thought of the unreliable narrator and the uh, – you know, quantum possibilities of, of what the future could be, you know, and that kind of stuff. I thought that was really kind of one of the coolest things about the movie that was way different than, uh, the first movie. And, right. and yeah. I really enjoyed that. And, and, you know, I haven't read the books. I, I probably would at some point, but that's a huge undertaking. So <laughs> yes, exactly. who has time to read anymore? Geez, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. Um, yeah, I don't take enough road trips to listen to that on tape. So, Yo,
0: there you go. Now you're talking audiobooks, baby. That's yeah. actually a good idea. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so my pitch this week, since your pitch was Dune, uh, my pitch this week is a documentary on Netflix that came out last year by director Edgar Wright called The Sparks Brothers. Uh, and it is about a band called Sparks that started in the 60s. And uh, has been around for almost 50 years. And I did not know about them until today or until last weekend. And they were part of British Invasion. They were part of Glam. They were part of the, you know, mm. Giorgio Moroto, uh, Electronica phase of joy division and new order and you know like 79 they were part of uh 80s synth pop and you know did albums with the go-go's made an album in the aughts with fran ferdinand um you know had hits in the 90s and the and and i've had hits. so
0: are they musicians or producers or they're
1: musicians okay um, so the 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 core of the band is two brothers um and let me pull up their names because now it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> oh, it's Ron. Right here. I got you. It's yeah. Ron and Russell Mayell, Mayell uh, and yeah. Mail. and if you look at pictures of Ron Mail, um you will definitely see you will recognize him from the 80s. Like I don't know where I know that guy from, but I recognize him cuz Okay, now he has go. a you got You said Ron, right? Yeah. Very and, and the other cool thing about the uh, documentaries. There's just a boatload of celebrities that they interview and or people in music history that were were and are big Sparks fans. Um, and I didn't know anything about them, but they've got a lot of really cool songs and a lot of really groundbreaking, influential albums. I mean, you can just listen to them. You can hear the influence on bands like The Smiths and Queen and um... Also T-Rex and the whole glam era and, you know, Todd Rundgren discovered them in the 60s. I mean, it's just a really interesting story about this band that's kind of been on a slow burn for almost 50 years and, you know, a, a great story of artistic success, you know, without compromise and just people honing their craft for years and years and years and and check out their music because a lot of their music is super fun and super interesting. So
0: oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I love. Oh man, you named some good ones with new. I'm a huge fan of New Order. Love, oh yeah, you you, know? you would
1: really enjoy. Um, you would really enjoy this movie. I think wow. it's a, it's a great. Uh, it's 140 minutes. It it's really well done.
0: Yeah, that's not bad at all. So yeah,
1: so yeah. that that would be um my recommendation and. Yeah, and wait, uh, Friday we got another Cavs game. So it's been been a pretty fun uh, – it was a pretty fun October to be a Cavs fan. That's not gonna right. Lie.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> We're loving it. And we'll be back next week with another Cavs the Podcast, and, and hopefully a, a few more Cavs wins. That's so right. So as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs, baby. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blog Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out.